talk a little bit about Puerto Rico. And I'm joined online, right? And uh, he is a journalist, right? Uh, he's a journalist who has investigated New York City electoral politics, police brutality, street gangs, grassroots activists, uh, Latino, the Latino arts and music scene. He's currently a professor of, at Columbia University Center for the Study of Ethnicity and Race. And he's author of the upcoming book, Fantasy Island, Colonialism, Exploitation, and the Betrayal of Puerto Rico. He is also author of several other books, Latinx, The New Force in American Politics and Culture, uh, and uh, Living in Spanglish. He has appeared in Rolling Stone, New York Times, Miami Herald, a whole bunch of other uh, publications. Welcome to the show, Ed Morales. Hey, Howard, thanks uh, Thanks for the wonderful introduction. Your thoughts, Ed Morales, when you hear all that chaos, what's going on in the island, and, and uh, what, do you, what do you think is uh, behind all of this, other than obviously the, the chats? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, that was a good summary of a, a lot of what's going on. Um, I think maybe we want to realize that it's a very interesting political moment where uh, a lot of different kinds of groups are coming together. Um, I'm just uh, filing a story now that's going to come out in the nation in which I talk about that a little bit. Um, that uh, <clears throat> it, it represents like a, a kind, new kind of fusion, fusion between uh, nationalism and, and this, uh, this kind of millennial intersectionalism. Um, and, uh, you know, it's sort of uniting everybody. You know, I, I, I feel weird about it, but, you know, there, there's a, a lot of invitations to people who are in the statehood party to come and join the march. You know, they're trying to take advantage of this moment where a lot of the statehood party is calling um, him to resign. Um, and I, it's a great way for uh, Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans, you know, to come together and, uh, you know, express uh, all of the, you know, the, the trauma that they've gone through, you know, after Hurricane Maria. And, you know, it's, it's quite a um, catharsis because, you know, uh, they were going through all that stuff and then they realized that, you know, Rosselló and his uh, homeboys were, uh, you know, really... Uh, you know, profiteering off of uh, the the money that was coming in and, and just selling public influence. So now, so what's behind it? You know, uh, look, you know, all of the investigations, the corruption investigations, are being carried out um, by the Department of the U.S. Department of Justice, either from the mainland or the U.S. Attorney in Puerto Rico, Rosia, Rosa Emilia Rodriguez, who uh, coincidentally was the one who filed charges against Aníbal Acevedo um, that caused him to lose the election in 2008, and then he was eventually uh, exonerated. So, um, and she was appointed by uh, George Bush Attorney General uh, uh, Alberto Gonzalez, you might remember him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, I mean, it's... Uh, it's tempting to to think that you know this really serves you know the, the Trump uh, agenda and kind of uh, uncomfortably um, proves him correct of, uh, about him talking about Puerto Rico government co corruption for all these months as a justification to cut off all the funds. So I find that a little bit uh, concerning, and then I also find it concerning. The fact that, you know, not only is uh, Rosselló, uh, you know, who's in really ridiculous denial that he hasn't resigned yet because everybody's against him, 
And he really has no effective governing platform. I mean, what is he, how is he supposed to do what he's supposed to do? Uh, you know, like represent the Puerto Rican interests in Washington and, and negotiate with the Fiscal Oversight Management Board. But uh, his depart, you know, uh, what's, what I find troubling about this is that at the same time that it's a great moment for Puerto Rican people to come together and try to unite and form a new politics, Effectively, what's going to happen is that he's going to leave, and then a possibly more conservative uh, PNP person will be appointed. We have no idea who might take his place, because it's supposed to be the Secretary of State, and that post is now vacant because that person resigned a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, it could be a more conservative tendency in, in, the, in the statehood party. Or really just have the effect of the U.S. And, and the rest of the world just not taking Puerto Rico government seriously for quite a while. And then what does that do? That leaves the Fiscal Oversight and Management Board as really the power in Puerto Rico. And doesn't that sound like what they wanted, you know, all along? You know? The other weird thing about this, too, is that, as I mentioned in my piece, Rosario was actually uh, <clears throat> lobbying for uh, for he was saying that he was against cuts to the pensions in the most recent um, negotiations with uh, fiscal oversight management board. So removing from him effectively removes you know all uh, the small power that the government had to block the uh, pension cutting as part of these debt restructuring deals. So I see that it's troubling that the, the government, you know, I think it's terrible what he did and he must go and he's a despicable person. But these events may serve to completely decapitate the Puerto Rican government. You know, it might take a long time for it to recover, no matter who's in charge. But what, wasn't, wasn't that government really, it's like the difference between the, mon the monkey and the organ grinder? <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, the yeah. government is the monkey. Yeah. They're the colonial monkeys. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Trump and the federal government are the organ grinders. So, okay, yes. uh, I'm not totally convinced that if you had uh, anybody else in there, so they got to do what they're told anyway. Mm -hmm. So now let's say you that's get somebody true. else that's a statehooder that's got to do what he's yeah. he or she is told anyway. The only thing yeah. I find refreshing is, You know, you turn out uh, at least by some indicators a hundred thousand people, and uh, and nothing yeah. is more important than uh, 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 people that are woke. In other words, yeah. you've never seen the kind I've never seen the kind of demonstration that you're talking about, and I've oh, never yeah, seen absolutely. the multi-class nature of it. Because usually yeah, you have true. working class people protesting and everything right. else, but you got all these yeah. stars coming out of the woodwork, mm -hmm. Ricky Martin and all right. the rest, and you say, well, there's something drastically wrong because if Ricky Martin at the level that he deals with, <laughs> he's talking about being yeah. fed up. Right? right? Then you can imagine what the poorest person in Puerto Rico has to go through if he's fed up. So the question is, once you take let the genie out of the bottle, yeah. and let's say they put in this new secretary of state who would probably be more conservative, uh, would that person be may, able may to... May not be, though, yeah. Yeah, but even if they weren't, could they really even act as an intermediary? Because if the people were conscious at that point, any initiative they would take might bring out uh, the type of groundswell of protest that you're hearing now, without, <clears throat> or am I too optimistic and as soon as Rosé Joe is gone, everybody will go back and disappear? <laughs> no, I think that, yeah. I mean, well, look, this has been building for a long time. You know, uh, I went to Puerto Rico in 2011 to cover the 
the DOG, uh, DOJ investigation of the Puerto Rico police, um, which uh, was happening in large part because of their uh, abuse of uh, students and workers and demonstrations and also uh, abusing uh, people of color, you know, like the immigrant, Dominican immigrants and, and Afro-Puerto Rican. And uh, ever since then, there's been controversy about the repressive measures of the state. And also you had the previous governor, Fortunio, who, you know, by the way, like uh, he, that's where the guy, Elias Sanchez uh, Sifonte, who is, you know, one of the main villains of the, of the, of the corruption scandal, he started with uh, Fortunio. Um, you know, the people have, you know, it's, uh, especially in the student groups and the labor groups have really been hardcore protesting, you know, for almost 10 years. And what's happened is that a lot of people have grown up in this atmosphere and they get it. And then, you know, then you get the fact that younger people are also more skeptical because there's less economic opportunity. That's both in the United States and Puerto Rico. So you get sort of like this radicalized uh, public, you know, and then, you know, like uh, there's also uh, the amazing thing was this guy, Ray Charlie. Have you heard about him? No, no. Tell us about Ray Charlie. Not Ray, Ray Charles, Charlie, right? Oh, no. no. Ray Charlie <laughs> is, uh, is a guy that rides around on motorcycles or four tracks. And there's like a subculture of four tracks, like out in the pueblos, but también in the, in the residenciales, you know, or the caserios, as they call them. And uh, while this is all going on on Wednesday, um, this guy was going around to all the residenciales. And getting all the people in the projects, you know, to, to get out and celebrate and join them in their four tracks. And they finally wound up in Old San Juan. And uh, Residente Calle 13 met up with them at the end. And he made, like, this speech. And it was a really amazing show of uh, solidarity with, uh, you know, the, the more Afro-Latino uh, part of the population, the poorer part. You know, with what a lot of people have considered to be, you know, this political left political elite of uh, university professors and things like that, and students. <clears throat> so that's all good, and I think that really bodes well for the future. I'm just saying that in the immediate, you know, there's still a year and a half before the elections. I think you might see a really viable candidate who is not going to be from the populares who, you know, their party is kind of ruined because their party was based on the notion that Puerto Rico had this sort of autonomous self-government. And then with the imposition of the Fiscal Oversight and Management Board, everybody knows that it's kind of a joke. So they don't really have, uh, you know, of course, Carmen Yulín is a strong candidate. But it yeah, doesn't well, have as much many, to do with her party as it, as it is her personality and her stance that she took. Because, you know, one of the things I've noticed of the people that are involved in this, a, a lot of them uh, before even this incident and these things broke out, uh, they all seem to be coming from the Yulin camp. Because I know that she was close to Residente, she's uh, close to uh, Melissa Mar Viverito. There's a whole cadre of people that are very mm -hmm. close. Is, is this, in a sense, uh, a coming together of people just outraged at what's going on and the feasibility that there may be another candidate out there that uh, since the Commonwealth uh, as an option is totally gone, and yeah. obviously with this going on, mm -hmm. statehood is definitely gone, yeah. right? So then the question is, uh, where does that leave us in terms of uh, maybe her as a gubernatorial candidate, even though she would still mm -hmm. be in the contours of a colony? 
Um, yeah. So she would still be limited in that sense. But sure. down the line, where, where does that take us? Because the decolonization mm-hmm. process, does, the, yeah. does this accelerate the decolonization process or will be, we be back to square one afterwards? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I'm not sure uh, if there can, you know, that's, that's a great question. You know, I, I don't know if there can be an immediate decolonization process if the debt restructuring terms are going to be like for they're you know supposedly going to be paying this stuff back for uh, thirty years, I, I don't know if uh, Puerto Rico can be decolonized and still compelled to you know be uh, to adhere to this deal. That's a really complex uh, negotiation that might have to happen. So uh, as far as uh, you know, Carmelina Cruz, I think that uh, the uh, Commonwealth Party has an opportunity to completely restructure its platform and become something different that might help her but then there's also uh, this thing going on called victoria ciudadana which uh, is like a coalition of uh, this guy rafael bernabe who uh, was the head of the puerto rico workers party mm-hmm. and ran for governor and uh, Victor- uh alexandra lugaro who was a third party candidate and won quite a, a high percentage i think 10 11 percent in the last election and she has really morphed from being somewhat neoliberal to uh, being really full-on, very, uh, you know, uh, left-wing and, and pro, uh, and pro uh, you know, the people. And then, like, her uh, romantic partner, Manuel Natal Albello, who's been a really uh, uh, crusading uh, congressman. I've interviewed him several times, his super good politics. Um, and he's also has been on the side, like, uh, publishing these exposés of the same people that are are being, uh, you know, revealed now, like, uh, what's his name, uh, Sanchez, uh, Elias, Elias Sanchez and uh, Edwin Miranda, no relation to Luis Miranda, who uh, was the main uh, public relations um, uh, person who also has a huge... Uh, that, that thing that they talked about, that uh, million or billion dollar uh, conspiracy thing, mm-hmm. was basically led by Leah Sanchez and Edwin Miranda. So uh, Manuel had been, uh, he's a representative, he had been posting this stuff on Facebook for, you know, almost a year or two. Um, and uh, he was one of the victims of their intimidation tactics. So he's with them. And another woman named uh, Irma Ana Lessen, who uh, is... Uh, feminist uh, human rights lawyer. So they are trying to do a big tent, too, and they're trying to move away from divisions in politics. I'm talking about, you know, restoring the institutions of Puerto Rico, uh, reconstructing the economy and, uh, and society and environment, and, and, going, and moving towards the decolonization process. So the decolonization process is going to have to involve some kind of negotiation that doesn't involve, I think, 30 years of paying back the, the debt of the electric authority because that's the deal that they made, and it, it's uh, really bad. And, and in my book that's coming up, uh, Fantasy Island, I, I have details about um, that's, that's why a, so many people think that that's a really bad deal. That's a very good segue, Mr. Morales. Tell us a little bit. I know the book comes out uh, in September, but tell us a little yeah. bit because it's called Col- Colonialism, Exploitation, and the betrayal of Puerto Rico. Now, yeah. just give us a little bit of advance notice. Mm-hmm. Who's, who, who is it that betrayed Puerto Rico? <laughs> I get well, um, yeah. 
I mean, you know, certainly uh, the way it always is in colonial situations, you know, the colonial master and the collaborators, you know, who are in the lead class on the island. So, and that's what we're seeing now. See, that's the problem with what we're seeing now. We're only seeing the elite collaborators on the island get busted. And we're seeing, you know, uh, one of the, wor- you know, the most unimaginably worst presidents of all time looking like he was correct. That's so, I mean, it's an incredible... Uh, and why do you, why do you, why do you call yeah. it, why do you call it Fantasy Island? Uh, are, uh, because, we, are we still uh, living yeah. in the fantasy or is the fantasy over now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The fantasy, yeah, the, what I'm talking about is like the fantasy um, was disrupted or, or was completely destroyed, even though, you know, most people, I mean, many people on the left or, you know, those of us here in the diaspora um, were skeptical about it, but... Um, the idea that Puerto Rico as a commonwealth, you know, was a, a semi-autonomous state um, and had a viable economy, you know, and could have a fruitful existence, you know, as just an attachment to the American empire and the American economy, um, that fantasy was, yeah, shattered. Because, you know, the fantasy they created, it, you know, and that's the way I tell the story is that, you know, I'm sure it's the same for you, but, you know, my parents came here. Maybe it's not. I don't know that much about your history, but, you know, my parents came with the Great Migration. Why is, why is that? You know, the Operation Bootstrap. You know, and, uh, why, and what happened? What, what was the reason? How did they, what did they do with that? They temporarily created this illusion of a middle-class existence in Puerto Rico for the people that stayed there. And then it was... Uh, you know, it was, it was something, a uh, propaganda tool um, to, uh, to fight, you know, to, to fight back against uh, Cuba and, and socialist experiment by saying, look, we have a capitalist democracy that is advanced and fully functioning and has created a middle class in the Caribbean, you know, and uh, this is uh, something that's much better than what the Cuban experiment is. So that's the fantasy that, uh, you know, was really finally broken by these two Supreme Court decisions that happened around the time of the, when they declared the debt unpayable. And both of them just said that, no, <laughs> Puerto Rico does not have any kind of autonomy and anything the United States Congress wants to do. You know, that's it. Congress has plenary power. You know, one of them was about somebody challenging the idea that you could have double jeopardy, you know, uh, by being uh, tried in both Puerto Rico and the mainland. And so then they said, uh, no, you can't be tried in Puerto Rico and the mainland because it's the same place, right? Wow. And so you can't have double jeopardy. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So then basically they said yeah. the colonial question is off the table because colony, the, the, the commonwealth doesn't exist. So you're, you're a colony whether you like it or not. <laughs> Right, yeah, unincorporated and, territory. Yeah, so th- that's when the fantasy... I, at first, I thought when right. I saw Fantasy yeah. Island, I thought it was that yeah. you were watching that Ricardo Maltaban <laughs> episode and you well, were going to start yelling, the plane, the plane, but that... <laughs> I, I guess it was but, like a recognizable uh, title for people. You know, maybe now, Ed, if people want to get advanced copy yeah. of your book, Mm-hmm. What can they do to get an advanced copy? Familia, I've read it already. It's uh, I'm not going to tell you the the high points of it because I assume that once it gets released, that will come back, and we can go through the different uh, chapters. But uh, but what can people do if they want to get an advanced order of the book? 
Well, look, right now, you know, um, we're limiting the advanced copies to members of the press like you because that's the usual practice, you know, with uh, books. But, you know, you can pre-order it, and then, uh, you know, if you pre-order it, uh, we'll go out immediately and probably get to your house by September 10th. So, last question. Where, where does this leave us now, and what do you I think is going to take place? Other than you anticipate uh, Rosselló will resign, and what goes on from there? Yeah, um, you know, there's been a number of candidates uh, mentioned. Uh, two of them are kind of the more moderate ones, like uh, Pedro Pierre-Luisi and Kenneth McClintock, but there's doubt that they really want to do it because they've both gone on to really successful careers as uh, lobbyists and consultants, which is part of the whole uh, revolving door thing. Yeah, that's another thing. You know, one thing I just want to say is that, you know, this stuff that they're talking about with Puerto Rico being so corrupt, I mean, it's exactly what's going on all the time in the United States, you know. <laughs> um, it's, it's a little bit, uh, kind of, it's kind of humorous, you know, that, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's exactly what, I mean, what, what uh, the Trump uh, people do. Uh, they attack people with the right wing, uh, you know, trolls, and it's, it's the same thing. They threaten people if they, you know, they're going against them. I mean, you know. And you wonder why people aren't all on the street here, you know? I, I don't know. Um, maybe because there wasn't a hurricane here that disrupted people's lives for 16 months. Yeah, well... But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, what was your question no, again? No, uh, you, the, what the, no, what, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah so, so those two guys are probably not going to do it. Then there's this guy, uh, Tomas Rivera Schatz, who is one of the most uh, right-wing uh, members of the party. Um, he was really uh, involved, as I detail in my book, um, with uh, some of the negative things that went on uh, with the 2010-2011 um, university protests. Um, but I, the problem is, is that uh, the, the, those people would prefer to run in 2020. And I think one of the reasons why this process has been so slow is that Oh, Jennifer Gonzalez has also been mentioned. She's the resident commissioner. One of the reasons that, the, and she's a strong Bush supporter, by the way. Um, and that's another funny thing to, t to realize when you talk about the statehood party, like half of them are Democrats and the other half are Republicans. And it's basically about, you know, where they get their fundraising from. And it kind of is an exposure. You know, if you're one of those people on the left that thinks there's no difference between the Democrats and Republicans, I mean, <laughs> Everybody in Puerto Rico knows that <laughs> because uh, they don't care which uh, they they just sort of dress up in whatever party that gives them the most money, and even though they're in the same party. So, uh, so yeah, those people, but they they don't necessarily want to take office because they don't they want to run in 2020, and then they don't want to name somebody who might do well and mess up their chances in 2020. So it's kind of a a deadlock that they have. That's one of the reasons this is all going on, that he won't resign. Um, so, yes, I, there's no really strong, uh, obvious replacement for him. Obviously, it's going to have to come from within the, the statehood party, and uh, we, don't, we don't know. Ed Morales, thank you for being with us this afternoon sure. on the Jordan Jordan Journal. The book is called Fantasy Island. Stay tuned, familia. It's called Fantasy Island, Colonialism, Exploitation, and the betrayal of Puerto Rico and uh, 
100,000 people, the people are woke, and nothing can deal with the fact when the people are woke. The genie is out of the bottle, and I'm going to be optimistic, Ed Morales, and no right. matter who they put in there, <laughs> We're going to take it to the streets. Yeah. Thank you very much. Go next. And then the junta after that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> Thanks for being with us. Ed yeah. Molares. All Thank right. you. Yo nací en Puerto Rico, mi tierrita natal. Yo hoy te doy este mensaje porque os déjame explicar. Estoy en los Estados Unidos, donde no me gusta ya. Porque hay discriminación, señores, y yo no aguanto más. Somos boricanos y hay que respetar, pero hay que considerar que también somos humanos. Oye, defiende Boricua, defiende lo tuyo, defiende lo tuyo, Puerto Thank you.